Welcome to the Speak Your Peace podcast. My name is Ian McNaughton Biggie here. Uh, this is being recorded just after the Canucks lost to the Vegas Golden Knights 3 uh, 0 in game seven of the second round. Um, tough loss for the Canucks. I know many of them thought they were going to win tonight, and they didn't. They lost. It was a, a tough, tough watch as a, as a Nux fan. Um, it was one of two game sevens today in the NHL as the Colorado Avalanche lost to the Dallas Stars 5-4 in overtime today as um, some uh, Dallas Star, give me one second here, um, some Dallas Star scored a hat trick today. Who got a hat trick today? Give me a second. Sorry. Um, this is really, really great podcasting right here. Um, God damn it. They won't even tell me. Who the, uh, Joel Kibiranta. Joel Kibiranta. Uh, Dallas Stars forward. You've heard of him. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, he scored a hat trick for the Stars, including a game winner in overtime. Boom. Uh, he got the he, – he, he got the game winner. Uh, he's he's uh, SYP's uh, booming player, booming boom of the week, maybe, if that's what you want to say. I don't know. Um, Stars won that, so my finals prediction of the Stars and the Islanders is still alive. Got a flag going around here. Um, basketball. Uh, Lakers lost by, like, 30 to Houston today. That's not pretty. Um, that's okay, though. There's – Still, still, uh, still a lot of time left. Still a lot of time left. Um, we're only in the, what the second round. That was game one. At least we're not the Milwaukee Bucks. Fuck that team down three zero. We're 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 two games away from that happening. Um, we're also talking about Steve Nash being hired by the Brooklyn Nets this week. Um, I'm already uh, I'm on my first Rona, so I guess I'll have to take a pause here in a bit and get my second Rona. Uh, yeah, Steve Nash and Brooklyn Nets, and just some other general stuff that's going on here um, with the brand and with the pod. So uh, let's discuss the Vancouver Canucks loss. Um, first off, Thatcher Demko. I don't know. This might be a speak your piece thing where we just have to give out awards. Um, you know, guy or player whose team didn't win the cup. But holy fucking shit, that guy was good. Um, yeah, I don't know what an acronym for that would be. Um, the holy fucking shit, that guy was good. So the HFSTGWFG, yeah, it doesn't work. Anyways, um, that's what Thatcher Demko deserves. Um, Thatcher Demko was incredible in two games leading up to this. Uh, he basically gave up one goal in game five, didn't give up anything in game six, and was pretty good uh, throughout game seven. Uh, he gave up one goal, even though it was 3 nothing. He gave up one goal, a Shea Theodore power play goal, which was just a beautiful shot with a double screen in, screen in front of him. Nothing Demko could really do to stop it. Um, really tough, really tough, um, for Demko, who really, if, if I, I was thinking about it watching this game, if there was a team who really should advance, it would be, it should be the Vancouver Canucks. Um, you know, they had the better stories. Uh, De Demko was arguably the story of the postseason so far, um, just with how incredible he he's been playing for the last three games, and it, it's just too bad the rest of his team can score. Um, you know, it's really it's really shitty when like you're the Jacob Degrom of hockey when you're throwing you know fucking gems every game and you just don't get any run support. That's what happened to Demko tonight. He just did not get any run support. And it wasn't for a lack of the team not doing it the entire series. Um, you know, they scored four goals in, in game four. Um, 
you know, they had their scoring for most of the series. They just couldn't get it done in game seven. Uh, Demko, I think at one point made 98 consecutive saves this series, which is just incredible. Uh, he had a shutout streak of, I want to say, over 130 minutes. That sounds like a lot, probably because it was. Um, just an incredible performance from Thatcher Demko in the last three games. And now there's a big decision looming in Vancouver. Jakob Markstrom is a free agent. He is 30 years old. Do you want to sign Markstrom to some sort of deal, which will pay him probably, I don't know, $5 million a year at least? I would think like Freddie Anderson money Markstrom would get on the open market. Or do you go with the young stud in Thatcher Demko? The issue is that Demko is going to be an RFA after next year. So he's got one more year on his deal uh, for $1 million, I believe, is his cap hit and salary. Now, the issue I have with this is that I don't like I don't like it when – how do I say this? Signing guys to big deals, to big contracts, after a small sample size of whatever they did. So, like, if a football player has a really good postseason, um, you know, if a, if a baseball player has a really good postseason, if a soccer player has a really good FIFA World Cup, the guy is hot. Obviously, it's like a stock. Like, his stock is up after having a really good showing. Like, he's been doing well for the last few... Like, Demko's stock is up right now. Up really high. Because this is the best we've ever seen him at the NHL level. Uh, the guy has not been great. He's been fine at the, NHL regular se- at the NHL regular season level. But in the postseason, in this bubble, in three games, he's been tremendous. He's been absolutely incredible. Do you want to sign a guy or re-sign a guy, give an extension while his stock is high, or do you want to let him play out a year, then have to sign him as a free agent? Like, you're basically either signing Markstrom now, re-signing him now for however long, two, three years, I would think at most. You can't give him term. He's over 30. Or do you basically push this decision back another year? Do you say, Markstrom, we're going to let you walk. We're going to go with Demko. And you let Demko take the starting job for a year. Now, I, I, I like what I saw out of Demko. I don't know that he's a regular starter in the NHL yet. Um, he had 50 really good games. He, he, he had three really good games. I don't know if that means he's good for 50. Uh, we saw with Jordan Bennington last year, he was incredible in the postseason. Absolutely tremendous. He had a really good second half to the 2018-2019 season and was pretty good for most of this season. And then it just fell off the tracks for whatever reason this year. You can do that with Demko. You can let him, you know, take the reign as a starter for another year, let him play out his contract, and then make that decision when he's an RFA. You got more. You have more leverage when he's an RFA, and a year from now, than right now with Markstrom as a UFA. Obviously, this is just hours after game time. Like, there's no decision that's being made here. Way too soon to think about it. But if you're the Vancouver Canucks, it, you kind of want to just go with Demko, I would think, and maybe have Di Pietro as a starter. Uh, that, that's what I think the option is. Yeah. So that's kind of. Uh where it is with uh, Markstrom, Denko, Demko, the Canucks, um, in their loss. Um, you know, part of the part of their issue tonight was just they didn't score enough either. Um, obviously, they got shut out. They only had 14 shots on net. Um, you know, I don't know if that's a coaching thing. I don't know if that's the players. I, I didn't think Brock Besser looked all that confident tonight. Um, he, he did not play um, – with confidence it felt like it felt like he was very tentative and trying to get other people involved which is great except the Canucks needed Besser involved so that kind of was a little disappointing um 
you know, the Canucks are going to have to re-sign Quinn Hughes here pretty soon because Quinn Hughes is a beast. I think he set the record for or, or tie the record or set the record for most points by a rookie defenseman in the postseason. Uh, I think Kale McCarr set it last year and Hughes set it this year. So there's that kind of rivalry going head-to-head. Um, you know, Petey had a decent postseason. Um, you know, the depth of that team actually really showed itself with Roussel, um, Jay Beagle, Tyler Mott, even Adam Gaudet had a, 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 a few good moments. The Louis Erickson contract really stings. The Brandon Sutter contract really stings. You're probably going to have to have to get rid of one, if not all of those contracts um, this year because you have Vertanen you need to re-sign. Um, he's an RFA. You have Chris Tanner you need to re-sign. Troy Stetcher you have to re-sign. Mark Strum. Um, you know, those are a lot of – those are some significant names uh, for the Canucks roster. And then you also have to, again, throw in the PD extension and throw in a huge extension. Um, you know, it's not easy. This is not going to be easy, this offseason for the Canucks. And honestly, I think it starts at goaltending. If you can, you know, set a plan as to what you're going to do for goaltending next season, whether that be – Demko gets approximately 50 starts next year, and then you go with DiPietro or you go with some other backup. Okay. Um, whether you, you go with Markstrom and you make some significant cuts to the rest of the roster, you got to have a plan. You got to have a plan. And once the goaltending gets figured out, then we'll know what the rest of the direction with this team goes in. Um, I think Travis Green, fine coach. He. he was he was he was solid. He was solid as a coach. He had some good moments. Um, I don't think he's really in danger of losing his job. Uh, Benning, I thought coming into the season, Benning was in danger of losing his job, um, just because this was the year that they had to be good. This was the year they had to make the playoffs, and they did. So he's safe. And he, even though he got an extension at the beginning of the year, which I, I didn't like, but he got it. He got his extension. He got his, you know, extension. He's safe. Benning should be safe. Green should be safe. It's all, it's whole home from the management and coaching part of it. Um, it's just the players and what direction they decide to go with. You know, I don't see the Vancouver Canucks really being big trade targets this offseason. Um, you know, they don't seem like they're going to be, you know, going after Johnny Goudreau, um, you know, Ekman Larson, his name's been thrown out there quite a bit, Max Domi. Um, none of those guys seem to, you know, fit what Vancouver's really looking for. I mean, they're nice players, don't get me wrong. I love myself some. Max Domi or some Johnny Hockey, but they're, they're not quite what Vancouver's looking for, and they, they just aren't in the market to make those kind of moves. They don't have a lot of capital. They don't have their first-round pick this year as a result of the J.T. Miller trade. Um, I'd have to go and look, look some more at the draft capital, but that's a big one. It's the first-round pick. They just don't have – it's now – it was traded to Tampa Bay for JT Miller and then Tampa Bay traded it to New Jersey. So now it's a devil's first round pick. Um, and in case you're wondering, so the draft is approximately about a month from now, uh, a month and a bit from now, and then free agency will take place afterwards. And um, Vancouver has been a, a fairly good drafting team. Um, I would say these last four or five years, they've been, they've been solid uh, drafting players. We'll see how it goes this year with no first-round pick. I don't think they're really too worried about it because I think the JT Miller pick really, um, you know, JT Miller is probably better than anybody they get in the first round this year. Um, and again, free agency. I, I don't see them really being big free agent targets necessarily. They 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 have the they have the roster. I think there. They just need to make it all fit and make it all work. I don't know how they're gonna do it. But we'll see. It'll be interesting. Um, 
So yeah, the Canucks obviously get sent home early, earlier than they thought, but I think this is better than most people thought the season would go for them. Uh, Demko should get the fucking holy shit, this guy was fantastic um, type of award, even though he didn't win the cup. That That's kind of that mid sort of guys you still have to be on the lookout for. Uh, speaking of those kind of guys, Nate McKinnon. Wowzers. That guy is amazing. Um, you know, I don't know... I don't know what to say about the rest of his Colorado Avalanche. Um, you know, they lost... They lost today. And... It's... It was kind of bittersweet for myself because I, again, am picking the Stars and the Islanders, even though I want to root for, I, I am rooting for Billy and Carter Hart. Star, I, I, my final pick is Stars and Islanders, and so I'm kind of rooting for the Stars, but also it's really, really shitty from the NHL perspective not having a star like Nate McKinnon to build around, to promote the rest of your postseason around. You, you don't really have that. <clears throat> you don't really have that on Vegas, that one guy that people can are, are going to jump to to watch a Vegas team. Because Vegas just plays such a really good team style. They just play such a really good um, team game. Vancouver had a lot of young stars. Like Hughes would, would have been a perfect guy or a Demko that they could have thrown the rest of the postseason around. Tampa Bay... I guess it's Vaj or Hedman or Point, but none of those guys are really going to stand out in the United States or get, you know, get the eyeballs on the sport like somebody like Nate McCann would, who's just been an offensive juggernaut. Um, just to put things into perspective, um, 25 points in 15 games this postseason for McKinnon plus 13. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Sensational, sensational. Uh, I think he was. He was. I think he was on pace to beat Gretzky's single season or single postseason point record, and I think he was nearing like same amount of points per game as Lemieux back in the early '90s. Which, if you ever looked at that, like, and, and gone through it, I, I've gone through that. That dude was a stud in the early '90s, and that's kind of what you're seeing with Nate McKinnon. Um, you know, as for the Avalanche, they weren't completely healthy. Um, they're still really good. Like they, they, the the McKinnon Landeskog Ranton and line is just fucking awesome. Uh, they got Kale McCarr on defense, who possibly will win the Calder this year. If it's not him, it's Hughes. But it's either going to be McCarr or Hughes. Um, and really, McCarr shouldn't feel too bad for losing out to Quinn Hughes. Goaltending is an issue with this team. I, I don't know that Grubauer is really the guy who's going to get you um, all the way down to the finals. Yes, he got injured in game one in this series and was never really the same since. Um, you know, I, there's something there with Colorado in, in terms of a cup contender. And, you know, you got Bowen Byron, who's probably on his way at least playing for the AHL team, if not Colorado themselves next year. And that's a guy you're really going to want to watch out for. If he gets an opportunity, if he, this, Bowen Byram was pissed off about not making the abs camp this year. If he makes it this year, look out, look the fuck out if Bowen Byram's on that abs team. Um, you know, they, they got Pete, Nazem Kadri's had a really good postseason. Um, you know, McKinnon has just been sensational. There, I can say so many things. It's just the goaltending is my biggest thing. The goaltending is my is my biggest concern with this team. And if they can go and find a goalie, they they should be all right. They should be fine if they can go find a guy. I, I and I could be completely wrong. I just don't think that Grubauer is that guy that you can just trust to send you get your team to the finals. Um, and I don't. I'm not blaming. It. I'm not putting that just on this postseason because that's unfair. He was injured, but this goes for year years before. So, uh, as for Dallas, I don't know how the hell they're here. 
I, I don't. I really I picked Dallas at the beginning of last year, like at, or at the end of last year, just to fucking mess with people. And like this is how random the NHL is, and look how random the NHL is. Um, I can't believe a Rick Bonus led team is fucking carrying. Getting all the way to the conference finals, just to give you an idea of how not good. I don't want to say awful, but how not good. <coughs> God, I'm coughing so much. I read up COVID. Um, yeah, so not including this year as a head coach. Um, Rick Bonus is 123, 289, 48, and 3. That's how awful he is as a head coach. He has 297 points as a head coach. He has almost as many losses as he does points. 289 losses, 297 points. Uh, That was coaching the expansion Ottawa Senators and the Islanders in the late 90s. Uh, he coached the Boston Bruins for one year before getting in 91, 92 before they lost the Penguins. Um, yeah, I, I I just don't know how the hell this team's doing it. Um, their goaltending has just been there. They they've scored a whole bunch of goals that I did not expect them to score. You know, fucking Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan coming out of the fucking nowhere for this team. Um, who would have thunk? I wouldn't have. I, I definitely wouldn't have thought of that. Uh, Miro Heiskanen has 21 points. Can we can we discuss that? Uh, shout out to SYP creator Scott, who said that he should be in a running for the con Smythe, and he definitely has an argument. There's no denying it now, now that his team's in the conference finals. Heiskanen has the same amount of assists as Nate McKinnon, just to put it in perspective. They both have 16 assists this postseason. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's incredible. Um, I am, I am absolutely just mesmerized by how this Dallas team is actually performing because they really should not be this far. I'm sorry. Um, they really are not that good. I, they are definitely outplaying, uh, their expectations but hey you know what shout out to them shout out to the Dallas Stars who are just obliterating everybody's expectations of them um I don't think anybody thought highly of them I don't think anybody thought this was a cup contending team uh, except for myself I had to and um yeah I I I don't think this team is really that good I I don't think Ben and Sagan have really been that good. Ben, actually, Ben has got 13 points, so I shouldn't say that. He, that's third most on the team. Um, Guryanov has eight goals. Pavelski has eight goals. Radulov has seven. That's kind of those have kind of been the two guys. Well, three guys: Guryanov, Pavelski, Pavelski, and Radulov. Those have been the three guys who have really carried this team as well as Heiskanen. Um, absolutely sensational job being done by just those guys, this team, Rick Bonus, uh, GM Jim Nil, all these guys. I, I can shout out to the Dallas Stars. Shout out to the Dallas Stars. They are going to beat Vegas. I'm still with this team all the way. Um, I, I'm going with the Dallas Stars. Uh, to beat the Vegas Golden Knights in seven games. This team will find a way to do it. No one thought they were going to beat the Avalanche. They did. No one's going to think they're going to beat Vegas, but they will. I got the Dallas Stars over the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, Tampa Bay's been off since Monday. They'll play Monday, I think, is theirs. Cause they have the, well, they have to fly to Edmonton. They're in Toronto. They have to fly to Edmonton because that's where the conference finals and Stanley Cup finals are taking place. They're going to fly to Edmonton. I think their game is on Monday um, in Edmonton against the winner of Game 7 between the Islanders and the Flyers. So when this comes out, uh, and potentially when you hear this, it might be irrelevant. Um, 
I'm going to go with the Flyers. I, I said the Islanders and the Islanders are going to win the Cup, you know, for a long time now. But I'm going to go with my boy Carter Hart and the Philadelphia Flyers. They've come back. They're, they're strong. They've arguably been the best team since we've come back to playing hockey. And I'm going to take the Flyers to beat the Islanders. I'm going to say it's 4-3 in overtime, and Scott Lawton gets the game win. That's my pick. That's who I'm taking. Uh, I got I got the Flyers playing Tampa Bay in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then I got Dallas beating Vegas in the West. Um, yeah, so that that's kind of where we're at with the NHL. That's the playoffs. Uh, so, yeah, Game 7, Philly Islanders tomorrow night, Saturday night, and then Dallas-Vegas Game 1 Sunday night. So be sure to watch all that. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to discuss a bit of basketball in the NBA. So just stick with us, and we'll be right back. Hey guys, I just wanted to tell you about Honey. Honey is a free browser ad available on Google, Opera, Firefox, Safari, and if it has a browser, it has Honey. Honey automatically saves you money when you check out on sites like Amazon, Papa John's, Kohl's, wherever you shop, it's a good chance that Honey can save you money. All you have to do when you're checking out at these major sites is click that little orange button and it will scan the entire internet and find discount codes for you. It takes two clicks to install Honey, and now anytime you check out, Honey will scan the entire internet and find coupon codes for you. If there is a coupon code, they will find it. And if there's not a coupon code, you can be rest assured that you are getting the best price possible and there is literally not one available on the internet. If you install Honey right now, you can save like 50 to $100 on your Christmas shopping, doing nothing. There's literally no reason not to install Honey. It takes two clicks, 10 million people use it, 100,000 five-star reviews, and unless you hate money, you should install Honey. If you want to install it, just go to Honey on your browser. Thanks. All right, I'm back. Um, just cracking open another another beer here. There we go. Uh, I'm drinking Rona's um, Corona Extra. Um, before we get into the basketball talk, my brother bought me a beer. I think it's 1816 is the name of the beer. It's imported from Holland. Um, and I can't understand anything that is on the fucking can. I don't know if it's in Hebrew. I don't know what language it's in. It's not English. It's not French. It has symbols instead of letters. Um, it's an extra strong beer. It's like 10.5%, which I don't drink that strong. Like, I drink maybe 8% beers. I have a, I have a Fax, FAX uh, Danish beer that's got a black label that two of those I, I sleep beautifully uh, after consuming. But I don't know what this 1816 that my brother's got me that I'm going to have to try here. I don't know what that's going to be like. But I just wanted to mention that uh, before we get into the NBA talk. Which it's fascinating because we're in the, we're in the round two uh, tonight. The LA Lakers lost to the Houston Rockets by thirty. James Harden, I think, put up almost forty points, if not forty points. Um, you know, people said that the Lakers are going to win this in four or five. They're not. They're not. As much as I love the Lakers, I have my Lakers hat. Not on, but right next to me. I'm wearing my Kraken hat right now. Um, as much as the Lakers are a really good team and they're a really fun team to watch, and they have arguably the best duo left in the playoffs, um, you know, it, they're a, they're a bit of a flawed team. They are. Uh, Rondo came. Rondo is back, which didn't really help tonight. But the, the team is a bit flawed. And there's, I think they're still trying to figure some stuff out, out on offense. Um, Houston's better than Portland. No disrespect to the Trailblazers whatsoever. But Houston's better than Portland. And I said that the Lakers would beat Portland in six games. I, I gave the Trailblazers two games just because of how good Damian Lillard has been in the bubble. And he, he's been tremendous. He got injured, unfortunately, in game or I want to say, and, you know, that was essentially the end of the Trailblazer season. Now you have the Houston Rockets, who have been 
better than Portland, but underwhelming all year. Uh, and, and then they really, at the deadline, when they got Covington, they really just went all in with this small ball lineup and decided that we're just going to be shooting threes the entire time and playing ISO ball. And it's boring as hell to watch. Um, I watched a bit of tonight's game. I didn't watch a whole lot of it just because I hate watching Houston. Um, actually, speaking of which, um, I don't know if we are. I don't, we're not going to actually do SYP merch. Uh, for this, but I was talking with a friend of the pod, uh, Fuji. Oh, it's, uh, I guess it's, uh, I guess it's not there. Um, but we were discussing today about Scott Foster, who called game seven between uh, the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder. And yeah, the wrath, yeah. Uh, Scott Foster, Fuji said, his official nickname should be Scott the Wrath of Biggie Foster, which is just perfect because I I just hate both Oklahoma City and Houston, and I don't want either of them to win. And if Scott Foster could do it, please do it. And he didn't. Houston won. Um, you know, Houston, I, I'm, I'm going to give my respects to Houston. I think the Lakers win it in seven. Um, I, I just think the Lakers are that much better than the Rockets are. But I think the Rockets are also that good. I think the Rockets have this way they're doing it, the way they're going about their business, and they don't give a shit. Harden and Westbrook do not give a shit. They are going to do whatever it takes to win a championship. They do not want to be the last dog to the bowl anymore. They don't. The time is now for Houston. Now is the time to get it done. And, hey, if you can get it done over LeBron James and Anthony Davis in their primes, fucking great. That's even better for their legacy for Harden and Westbrook. So I'm going to take the Lakers in seven. I think Houston will make this interesting. Houston will make it exciting. I, I don't think they'll win the series. Um, I, will, I, I would be really surprised if Houston wins the series. I think their style gives fits to L.A.'s defense. I, I don't know that L.A. can keep up with the speed of Houston to a certain extent. L.A.'s got a bit of an older roster, especially at the bigs in, in, the, in, the, forward, in the front court, I should say. So, who knows? I, I just a bit worried, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to take the Lakers to win it in seven games. Milwaukee Bucks are down three games to none to Miami Heat. I think I said on an earlier podcast that I didn't think the Bucks were contenders. And yeah, I, I just don't, I didn't think they were as good as the regular season stats showed. I, I just thought they were outperforming everybody in the regular season. And it was not going to be realistic come the playoffs. And sure, they beat the Orlando Magic in five games. And, and, and every NBA team really should except for, like, maybe four of them. Um, so, it, I, I'm surprised that it's – I'm a little bit surprised it's Miami. I thought Miami was a more of a home court team, like, play better at home than on the road. And I guess because it's in Florida that helped. I don't know. Um, Tyler Harris, which has been tremendous. tremendous. Um, Don, Duncan Robinson, awesome. Butler's been good. Um let me know if I'm missing anybody else. But the Miami Heat have been really fun to watch. And, and the Miami Heat are really entertaining. Like, they have a lot of weapons. Um, they, 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 they make I, – I would, I would way rather watch any Miami Heat game over uh, fucking Houston by a long shot. Uh, I, I will see if Milwaukee has any fight with them with Giannis. Th- this has been a really a, – a really – I don't want to say challenging, but, you know, Giannis, I don't think the Bucks have played that well since they've got back to the bubble. I don't know how much of that is Giannis not playing well either. I don't know how much of that is actually Milwaukee. The, the time is ticking for Milwaukee before Giannis goes. The time is ticking. And if I had to give – by the way, if I had to give one of those um, holy shit, this guy is really fucking good uh, awards – 
I, I would say fucking Bam deserves some of that. Bam Adebayo deserves a, a, a part of that award because he's been – I mean, obviously, you could put Lillard in there because Lillard's been fucking awesome. But I, I would put probably Bam on that list of guys who deserve it. Uh, I would also put OG Ananobi, who hit the game winner in game three to salvage some of the Raptors' season instead of, you know, being down 3-0. They're now down 2-1. Um, you know, I, I just to finish off on the Bucks heat, I, I'm going to take the heat to win because it's just 3-0 is way, way too much to overcome. So I'm going to take the heat maybe in game four, maybe game five, but I doubt it's going to go to six games. But Miami's going to win this. Um, Toronto-Boston. You know, I've been saying the Raptors are going to play the Lakers in the finals. And, man, the, the, the Raptors really were disappointed in game one. They were competitive in game two, competitive as hell, and they just couldn't get it done. And they, I don't know if you want to say probably shouldn't have won game three, but very, very, like that's a lot of good karma you got in game three. Don't blow it. Um, because the fact the fact that Kyle Lowry can fucking inbound the ball over Taco Fall, who's 7-5. Think about this. Kyle Lowry, I don't know how tall Kyle Lowry. I'm going to say 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. So he's got to fucking inbound it. I, like, think of me having to inbound the ball over a 7-foot tall person. Somebody who's another foot taller than you. You, you got to be able to inbound that ball. Okay, inbound the ball. Not only that, but then also inbound across court to a guy who's wide open, who you probably can't even see. You just know he's there. And, man, that's some balls by Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry just put all of his chips into the middle of the table with that play. Um, and it worked. And the Raptors are now down just one game instead of two. Or instead of three, pardon me. Um, So I, I still have to go with the Raptors. I, I, it feels like the Celtics are going to win this, though. It does feel like the Celtics are going to win the series. I got to stick with the Raptors, though. They, they, I can't give up on this team. This team has shown me way too much. They're way too good. They're, 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 they're way too talented and motivated to fold like that. And the Celtics, by all means, are also motivated and are also talented. But I can't give up on the Raptors right now. Way too early. Way too early to give up on the Raptors. Uh, I'm going to stick with them all the way through. Um, The other series in the West, you have the Denver Nuggets and the L.A. Clippers. The Clippers are kind of being the anti-heroes in all this. They're kind of being the villains, shall you say. Um, After Montrez called Luca a pussy-ass white boy, Marcus Morris just acting like a dick for no reason. Um, it's almost like playoff hockey a little bit as the agitator, as the fucking enforcer rule, you know, rule, position, whatever you want to say. Um, so the Clippers are kind of the villains here, which is good. You got a villain. You got somebody to root against. Against the Denver Nugget, Nuggets, who are – I don't know what to make of this team. Um, they did not look that good against Utah. They had to come back down 3-1. Jokic, I'm back on the Jokic bandwagon. I was off it for a little bit just because the rest of the team wasn't doing well. But I'm, I'm strictly, strictly on Jokic bandwagon. This is a Jokic Stan podcast. Um, I, it was really funny watching him the other night um, play Utah. And he had this fucking weird, I want to say hook shot or weird shot he put up. Definitely, definitely did not look right. And my brother, love my brother, and my brother said something along the lines of, man, that looks so artistic. Um, you know, that was beautiful. And if you watch Jokic or you watch the Nuggets, you know nothing he does is artistic. That is like the oxymoronic term to describe Nikola Jokic. It's very much ugly like how I play pickup basketball is how Jokic plays in the NBA playoffs. Um, you know, I think the Clippers are going to win that series. I don't know what that's at now. If the uh, Clippers are ahead by two games, one game, 
No games. I don't know. Uh, let me check here. Clippers are up one nothing in a series. So game two, uh, Saturday night at 6 p.m. So I'm going to take the Nuggets to win. I want the Nuggets to win. I think the Clippers are going to win, but I'm rooting for the Nuggets. I'm rooting for Jokic. Jamal Murray has been fucking incredible. Uh, he's also one of the guys that should – you know, be in consideration for holy fucking shit. This guy is amazing. Award, award. Um, the Hafsa. I don't know how you want to describe it, but Jamal Murray has been tremendous too. So I'm gonna take the Nuggets to win, even though I just don't want the Clippers to win. And because we are now officially a Nikola Jokic uh, stand podcast, so Jokic, if you want to come on the pod anytime, man, uh, hit up your boy. We'll hit you up. We'll get you on the pod, man. I know you want to come on. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not confident picking which game it's going to happen. I'm going to say the Nuggets in six. I'll say the Nuggets in six. I'll say the Celtics in – or the Raptors in fucking seven. And I'll take the Heat in five. There you go. So the Lakers will play the Nuggets, and the Heat will play the Raptors, just like everybody predicted. Um, also news in the NBA this week. Uh, Steve Nash named the head coach for the Brooklyn Nets. I, I, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I just don't know why the Nets I, – I, I get why the Nets did this. I just don't think it's the right choice. Um, Nash is not the best candidate. I don't know that he really wants to be a coach. I think he kind of did this for his friend Sean Marks, who's a GM, and who was a former teammate of Nash's with Phoenix in the late 2000s. Um, I, I just – I don't think it's going to work. Yeah, I just think there were more qualified, better candidates for the Nets to have um, coach this team than Steve Nash. And this is no disrespect to Steve Nash. Wonderful player. Absolutely God on the court. Tremendous. Um, he, he was working in upper management for the Golden State Warriors. I have no idea... If he's going to last 82 games, I have no idea if he's going to be around longer than Durant or Irving. I, 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 I don't – I just need to see it to believe it. Right now, what it is on paper, from what I'm looking at, from what I'm seeing, I just I, – I don't see it. I don't see it working out. This isn't going to make the Nets any better. This team is no further ahead than where it was a year ago. They had a better coach last year. I don't know. I, I wish Steve Nash all the credit in the world. Um, I hope he took this job because he really wants to be a head coach and he really wants to win a championship as a head coach. I, I hope he didn't do this just as a favor to his friend, Sean Marks. Um, I hope he didn't do this as a favor to Durant or Irving. I, I hope he really, truly wanted to be a head coach, and that's why he took the position, and that's why he's coaching the Nets right now. I don't know that that's true. I could be completely wrong. That's just my feeling. that Because Nash never really has felt like a head coach type. He felt like a, a, more of a, a media upper management, like, kind of guy and you know I don't I I just I don't know I don't know what the Nets the the whole kind of direction of the franchise has gone down since they got Durant and Irving and who knows what Durant will be like with Irving next year that's going to be really interesting to see but I could be completely wrong and I, I might I, I might totally be in the wrong in this, but just my gut feeling, this is Nash is going to be the first one between Irving Durant. He's going to be the first one to go, to leave this team. It's going to be Steve Nash. I don't know if he lasts a year at this. 
this this does not feel like a long-term investment this feels like someone who's coaching for like a year or two however long these guys are there that's how long it is and I guess it's okay to a certain extent but it just doesn't it feels so much more in the now than than thinking about the future it it, it might fuck up the rest of this franchise like it did with the the Gar- no, I'm not comparing the the Nash hiring to Garnett and Pierce, but that's kind of the same direction. <coughs> it feels like this team is going in. It's just having you know going all in to win right now. And like when they did when the Nets did that Garnett for P- and Garnett and Pierce trade, it took them so long to get out of it. And there were so many things that went right for them, even though it took so long to get out of that void. So many things went right for them. The increase of salary cap space, the players they got, the coach they hired, the, this, the whole organization scheme that if, if, think, if this happens again, it's never going to, like, you're not, like, the odds of you becoming so successful after that you know after going all in like you did the odds of doing this again and repeating and becoming a successful team is so unlikely that I I just I worry about this I worry about that team so much I don't know I don't know I I don't see it it is also interesting thinking about it from like my perspective as a, a boomer as my friends call me how for the younger generation Steve Nash is now just going to be known as like the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets like no none of these kids like who are born you know who are 10 years old now between like 10 or 15 I guess some of them who are like between like in early like if you're 10 years old now you've never seen Steve Nash play you don't recall watching Steve Nash play You, you can't you don't know that um, so there's a generational gap there too, which is like really fascinating and really interesting. Um, and if you're 15, you you didn't even know that Steve Nash played for Phoenix. So you might have watched him. I don't know, but it's just there's a generational gap too. I don't know if you know what like you get what I'm saying. But the generational gap is just Nash now for some people. It's just like yeah, he's a, he was the head coach of the Nets. Like no, he was a former fucking star with the Phoenix Suns and won two MVPs. Arguably still one for Kobe, but we're not getting into it in that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see the Nash thing. I don't get it. I, I could be completely wrong. I'll be definitely intrigued to see how it goes, but I would not be surprised if Nash doesn't even last a full season. If, if this is just, if this just blows up right away, I would not be surprised. So who knows? Uh, okay. We'll take one more break. Uh, and then we'll be back with some more stuff for you. So stay, stay tuned. We'll be back. All right. Uh, we're back with another segment here uh we're going to be discussing the nfl because the nfl's about a week away from starting their regular season and i don't know how that's going to go it seems like it's going to be a fucking shit show if they're going to be traveling like major league baseball players are during covid so we'll see how that goes um just want to talk about leonard fournette i guess really signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was first released by the Jacksonville Jaguars early in the week. He signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers later on in the week. Um, it, it's a really interesting signing because Fournette, if you don't know him, he's a former LSU running back. He's entering his fourth year, I want to say, in the league. And the dude's been tremendous. Dude's been outstanding. Awesome, awesome, awesome running back. Uh, he's just been in a really shitty situation with the Jags and I want to discuss them more on the NFL pod. We're hoping to get one out here pretty soon. Um, Fournette is a talented back. It's a complicated back who was in a really shitty situation in Jacksonville. Um, really did not work out for him. Uh, he, they ha- he had to get out of there. It was just not working for him. It was just not the place for him to be. And he winds up signing in Tampa Bay who have just signed pretty much every, or, acquired every offensive superstar Brady Gronk now for net they signed the Sean McCoy I believe or yeah he's he's with Tampa isn't he let me just check just to be sure but I believe the Sean McCoy is also a running back with this team 
might be in Kansas City still. Yeah, he was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Sean McCoy is with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So with that, here's the thing. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are loaded on offense. They have Tom Brady at quarterback. They have Mike Edwins and Chris Godwin. Edwin, Evans, I love a lot more than Godwin. Evans does not give enough respect as a wide receiver. Awesome receiver. Um, they have Gronk at tight end, who's been off for a year. He's healthy Gronk. But they're running back, and they have good tight ends. They have good tight ends in Cameron Braid and O.J. Howard behind Gronk. Um, the running back situation really complicates things for me because you just signed Fournette this week. You already have Ronald Jones, who you took in the second round last year in the 2019 draft. You drafted Ronald Jones out of USC. Jones struggled with the playbook, did not do that well last year, not as well as anybody had really anticipated or hoped. But apparently he's doing better this year, and he's you know not struggling as much out the gate. Um, you have McCoy, who I mentioned. Um, you have Fournette. And you have Keyshawn Vaughn, who you just drafted from Vanderbilt in like the fifth round this year. That's a lot of and, – and you, you – Bruce Arians, head coach, has said that Rojo, Ronald Jones, is a starter. And you also have you, – you can't – you can't have Ronald Jones as your starter with McCoy and Fournette sitting on the – he might be anticipating injury. He might just be expecting injuries or COVID or whatever. But you got Fournette, Leonard Fournette and the Sean McCoy on the bench. They want to get involved. They want to get in on the action. You got to get them touches. And I don't care that Jones is a starter. You got to get those guys touches. Uh, and I could be completely wrong because Jones might be your best opportunity to win. He might fit your scheme better. But I would hate to see Fournette and McCoy just go go and be absolutely wasted by sitting on the bench while Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn, who's a decent running back in his, you know, himself, he, he – probably shouldn't get the touches yet over um, Fortnite and McCoy. Uh, so the Buccaneers are really interesting to me, at least offensively. Defensively, they got Carlton Davis and Devin White. Defensively, their defense might struggle a bit in 2020, but the offense should be good, so they could be one of the most exciting teams to watch. Uh, they're, they're one of three teams that I am intrigued by. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I'm intrigued by. I'm going to say the Washington Redskins intrigue me, which they're not the Redskins anymore. They're a Washington football team, WFT. I got to get used to that. Washington football team has undergone a lot of offseason changes. They got a new head coach in Ron Rivera, who's a man. That, that dude is, that dude is he's an adult. He's responsible. That's the kind of guy that the Washington football team needed in their organization. Ron Rivera is a perfect hire. They got Jack Del Rio as a defensive coordinator. That guy is an adult. That guy is responsible. That guy is a guy you can trust. So you have Rivera and Del Rio. The team is overgoing a lot of organizational changes. Dan Schneider has been called out on a lot of his alleged crimes, um, including sexual harassment and harassment a whole a, a bad bad organizational culture. That's basically in, in a in a macro sense what's actually in a general sense that's what's going on. And he's trying to change. He's trying to make his team better. He's trying to improve the the vibes and just the overall culture inside his team. It started with changing. It started with hiring Ron Rivera. It started with getting Jack Del Rio. It started with changing the name that all it didn't start with the change of name but it all led flowed like a river into one another now here you are entering the 2020 season you just released adrian peterson who spent two years with the team never seemed to get along with jay gruden who is the former coach he gruden got the boot in early october when i was in japan and that was like week five so you knew that was basically the rest of the year was just a write-off for them last year because their fucking head coach was fired. So that that didn't go well. And, P, and there's a crowded running back 
uh, room in Washington like the Buccaneers. You have Antonio Gibson, who's kind of a hybrid running back wide receiver. He was kind of a Christian McCaffrey type at the University of Memphis this past year. I don't know what to make of him. That that dude, I've heard a lot of good things about him. I've heard some negative things about him. I don't know what we're going to see with Antonio Gibson Jr. I hope if he's anything like he was at Memphis, then the, the Washington football team's got a stud. Uh, they also have former Stanford running back Bryce Love, who's a really, really, really good standout running back for four years at Stanford. Still trying to make his way with Washington. So... Peterson's gone. The veteran leadership's gone. And now you have an offense that's young and still growing. They're still trying to find its way. And I think the Redskins view this as a long, you know, they're they're viewing their organizational change as a long-term thing. This isn't happening overnight. I don't think they're expecting to do well this year. Um, I mean, I'm sure, you know, they're hopeful they can win six games, but if they, you know, only win two, three, four, then there's an issue. The player that I'm really looking forward to watching this year for the Reds, or for the Washington football team, excuse me, is Dwayne Haskins. I am really looking forward to watching him. If you've been following him on social media like I have, the guy has been putting a lot of time and effort in. He's been working his ass off all off season working on the field working in a gym the dude has been grinding and i think the I, I think haskins has been putting in too much work for him not to succeed we'll see how it is on the football field he's got to go up against quite a few um tough defenses in the eagles and cowboys those aren't e- easy defenses to go up against the giants it's all right but Man, I, I, I just think Dwayne Haskins has put too, put in too much work not to succeed this year. So he's going to be someone that I'm really excited to watch. I'm going to have a, a, my, my eye on heading into this season. Uh, and then the third team I'm going to mention is the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm interested in the Bengals because last year they were not very good. I think they had one win, two wins last year at most. They were not very good at all. Um, there's now a change happening in Cincinnati. It kind of happened last year. Where they were, there was kind of a, a new path with head coach Zach Taylor, uh, who had a change from Marvin Lewis, former head coach. And now they got rid of longtime quarterback Andy Dalton, and they've replaced him with first overall pick Joe Burrow. And – Joe Burrow had a lot of success at LSU last year. A lot of success. He was pretty fucking good last year at LSU. He broke a lot of fucking records at LSU. Everything that could have gone well for Burrow last year pretty much went well for Burrow last year at LSU. Now he goes to a team in the Cincinnati Bengals, who who are historically not a good team, who are historically a team full of controversy, um, poor management, poor decision-making. And now it'll be interesting to see how a guy like Burrow, who's coming in with a lot of swagger, he's got a lot of swagger behind him and a lot of motivation, how he reacts to being with the Bengals. Um, Zach Taylor's not like Ed Orgeron. There's not a lot of people who are like LSU football coach Ed Orgeron. I'm not sure how this is going to work. I'm not sure what the what the direction of the team. I don't think the team's going to be that good this year. They might win four or five games, but it'll be interesting to see how things go with Burrow in Cincinnati. Cause Burrow might not have a good year. There's a, I think there's a good chance Burrow does not have a great season. He's got some good wide receivers in AJ green. Who's finally back. Um, Tyler Boyd. Hopefully he can stay healthy for a full year. He's a good slot receiver. And there's also T. Higgins, who they, the Bengals drafted from Clemson in the second round. So they got some wide receiver targets. They've just re-signed Joe Mixon at running back for four years. There's a chance, but there's like as good as all those guys are, there's a chance that Burrow does not do well this season. And I think with Burrow, I think the dude's a talented quarterback. I personally would take Tua. I, I'm a Tua guy. I think Tua's 
the guy I would build a franchise around over Burrow. That's not to say that Burrow's a bad quarterback or you shouldn't build your franchise around him because I think there are some qualities he has. It's just, I would not be surprised if Burrow does not have a great time in Cincinnati. Things don't go as, as smoothly as they can in Cincinnati. And he goes elsewhere and he has other success because I, I, it's, it's an organizational thing. I think it's a team thing. And I think Burrow probably could do much better if he was on another team. It's just the Bengals had the first overall pick and they drafted him. There's not a lot he can do about it. He could hold out and do a Manning thing, but he's from Ohio. So it, you know, it kind of means something for him, but I'm really intrigued to see how the Bengals do, especially offensively with Burrow and how that goes. Uh, They're not a lot, they're a team with not a lot of um, hype or conversation behind them, but they could be one of the more fascinating teams if things do not go well early. If shit hits the fan in the first couple of weeks, watch the Bengals because it, it could be absolutely hilarious to see what they do. So, all right. Uh, that's going to be the podcast for tonight. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. We'll have more stuff coming out here, including some NFL content this week with the NFL season starting on Thursday. Um, again, thank you very much for listening. Sorry to all the Canucks fans who have to listen to this and listen to me talk about their team losing. But my team didn't even do fucking shit all year. So don't feel too bad. Anyways, peace out. Have a good night. Talk again soon.